Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show. I'm your host George Ellick and I'm joined by Odds Checker's very own tipster Andy Holding as we look ahead to the third day of the July Festival at Newmarket on the July course. The Saturday's racing, uh, a cracking day of racing as well. Uh, we're recording this just after midday on Thursday so the action is about to get started uh, at Newmarket so we have to get through this quickly so Andy can, can get watching or we can both get watching the racing for what should be a, a cracking afternoon um, but we're going to get straight into it we've already recorded Thursday and Friday show so if you're, if you're watching this before Friday's racing do check out the Odds Checker YouTube channel where you can find our Friday preview uh, and before we get into the racing now as well just going to point you in the direction of the Odds Checker app uh, download the app now for best prices book your offers free bets um, place terms and Andy's tips as well as other tipsters uh, straight to the app every Every single day across all sports as well. So do download the Odds Checker app now. If you're watching this podcast or listening to, so if you're watching this video or listening to this podcast, it must be because you like a bet. So you'd be mad not to download it. Um, Andy, the first, uh, we, we, you know, we've given a bit of lip service to the first couple of maidens on on Thursday and Friday. I think here, you know, six runners, one of them has run once without much credit. I, I think we can just skip this one. Um, neither of us know much about any of the unraced horses. Plenty of big names in there. Uh, the uh, the running line, of course, uh, a roaring line. Um, Colt uh, is in there, uh, a balding horse, a Becker horse. I'm sure there'll be some some not nice sorts in there, but we're not going to bother uh, previewing a race that we know very little about. So we'll go straight no. on to the to the 205. Yep. Um, as I say, recording this just after midday on Thursday, so final decks only just out. Embryonic um, prices as it stands, so these could date pretty quickly, but we'll do our best. And uh, kicking off with the seven furlong Phillies handicap, the 205, where Kidwa is the seven of four favourite ahead of truly acclaimed at nine to two. Golden Spice, 11 to two. Miss Caroline, the same price, 11 to two. Silicon Petals, eight to one. Victoria Grove, nine to one. Tanita Twitch, 20 to one. Elaide, uh, 33 to one. Eight runners as it stands. And Andy, I always quite like doing these pods with you just after final decks and when prices aren't necessarily out because you haven't necessarily seen them yet. So sometimes you're getting your first view at how the market has kind of reformed after final decks. How does this one look to you? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good betting race, isn't it? Eight runners, you've got a short price favourite, um, as is always the want in races of this nature when you get a haggis horse unbeaten. Uh, always massively respected in the market, sometimes overbet. Um, you know, the certain stables from that neck of the woods, which often... Um, Command a huge amount of, of respect, too much, probably too much respect, arguably. Uh, but there's lot, lots to like the way she won at Redcar. Um, she did what she needed to do. She was two to nine, didn't have a great deal to beat. The time figure wasn't anything out of the ordinary. So it's kind of thing, well, is eight out a good mark or a bad mark? Only, only really those closely associated the, with the odd will know that. Uh, the benchmark also for me is Golden Spice, uh, having run at Royal Ascot. Um, and that's a very, very competitive Sandringham handicap uh, for the Phillies. Uh, and, you know, she ran respective. I think she finished 10th of the 28 runners, was prominent throughout, and then just uh, paid for it late on, as often front runners do. But I'm sure she'll run a race, as will Silken Petals as well from the from the Charlie McBride yard. Uh, got beat by Auditor here last time out. That was over uh, seven furlongs. So stepping up in trip uh, improved hugely on it's a previous attempt over six. Probably needed the run as well first time out, uh, in truth be told. But I do like that course and distance form of that sort of silk and petals. Not many of these have run at the track. She has. And she's a nice each-way price as well with it. hopefully the dead eight runners to go to post. So um, hopefully that price will hold up come Saturday for silk and petals. 
Silicon Petals, eight to one best price with Paddy's and Betfair Sportsbook, as you say, three places as it stands. But remember, if you do, because it's after final decks, if you have your bet now and one does come out, your your bet will be changed to reflect that to a quarter to two. Uh, on then to the uh, handicap over a mile, the mile handicap, 240. Um, Bay of Honor, the nine to four favourite. Ahead of uh, Lassa Dude at three to one, Jimi Hendrix four to one, Be Lucky My Son five to one, Lawful Command eight to one, Positive Impact twelve to one, New Kingdom sixteen, Spin Around twenty fives, eight runners again. Andy, are we going to be able to find ourselves a nice little each way multi? Yeah, th- this is this is the one I'd probably recommend um, to all the uh, listeners of the podcast for the three days. I would say this is my banker of the of the entire meeting. I talked about the Britannia handicap, didn't I, in, in fairly glowing terms on the first podcast we did, um, or the second one, wasn't it? I've, I've lost track mm, now. Second, uh, with, yeah. Yeah, with with, with Yonafis, who mm. runs in the, I think, the second race on on the on the Friday. I'm hoping he'll go well, even though stall 12 is a little bit of a bugbear. But um, already the signs are that that Britannia handicap is going to work work out really well. The 15th horse claimed the crown one at Ripon the other day um, in, in a good time. Um, but that that time figure that was posted by uh, Thesis and Saga, front two there that day, suggested that they are very much group horses in waiting, particularly the second. I mean, he absolutely charged his way through the field, didn't he? I think he was mm. universally accepted as being very unlucky. Um, and he run beyond Malgium as well the time before, don't forget Saga. So, yeah, know, the collateral of that, that form of the Britannia is really good. But the, the horse I want to draw your attention to is the third, Jimi Hendrix who comes out incredibly well on the figures. And if you take into account as well that he made the running, which is almost impossible to do in any straight track race at Royal Ascot in a big field, you've got to upgrade his run tenfold. Um, he should have dropped out the back of the telly, really. He had all those really good horses, um, you know, kind of circling around him like vultures inside the last two furlongs. And yet he managed to repel all of them, bar Thesis and, and Sargo, who were ridden. If you go back and watch them, they were ridden miles off the pace. I mean, I think Sargo was last with three furlongs to run. That's normally the run style that wins most of those races at Royal Ascot. You look at Dark Shift when he won the when he won the Roland Cup. You look at Rohan when he won the mm. uh, the the Wokingham. Horses that were way off the speed have come through very strong as the front runners die and and the horses that are finishing hit the line hard. So. That run of Jimi Hendrix, I said, was absolutely sensational. Um, his time figures miles better than anything else that these have uh, achieved so far, including Bay of Honor. Bay of Honor ran to an 86 when he ran that one last time out. Uh, Jimi Hendrix ran to a 99 when he was third in the uh, wow. Britannia. Um, the front two ran to 100. So, it, like I say, pound for pound, that that Britannia was the best race of the week. Uh, I'm looking, I'm looking to follow it over a cliff. And as I said, with Jimi Hendrix. He's run a massively upgradable one, then uh, he should be favourite here for me. He's he's definitely got the best form coming into the race, and yet he's four to one. So um, for that reason, I, 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 that's the reason why I'm really imploring you to uh, have more than a second look at um, Ralph Beckett's horse. Jimi Hendrix four to one, Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook. The only two firms are out who are out at the moment. So we'll see how the other firms react. I'll have a quick look back um, at this race before the end of the show in kind of 15, 20 minutes, just to see if anyone else is has popped up and, and see if there are any bigger prices about. But Jimi Hendrix, a, a strong selection there for Andy um, in the third race on the card, the mile handicap. Uh, just, onto just, the super- just, yeah. yeah, just quickly bear in mind the horses that were down the field as well. They they also come out of the race. The lawful Commando finished fifth. 
and, and spin around as well. He was he was drawn really badly. If you look at the race, again, mm. another horse I did a little bit of work on. He was right towards the near side. He had no chance. So, like I say, don't completely rule those out, um, especially if you're doing some forecast betting. I'll, I'll probably perm the three together and hopefully, um, you know, do okay out of it. But, uh, yeah, that, Jimi Hendrix is definitely the pick of the pile. So time for the 315 now, the superlative stakes. Uh, Victory Dance is the 13 to 8 favourite, Line of War 5 to 2. Isaac Shelby 7 to 2. Dark 30, 13 to 2. And for a laugh, 33 to 1. Five runners over seven furlongs, Andy. And these are the kind of two old races where I think you, you really come into your own because often your speed figures and the way you can analyse these horses that are lightly run um, is more reflective of what ends up happening than the market, uh, which is the, the aim of the game, isn't it? So how do you see this? Well, I wouldn't say we've got an Alfred Munnings on our on our hands here again, um, like we did in the um, in the Chesham, where a horse that was odds on after after doing absolutely nothing on the clock uh, was presented us uh, with us. But we've got Victory Dance, probably more style over substance as it stands at the very moment in time. I did like the way he won at Newmark. It was a slowly run race, and he got the job done. It was more workmanlike than impressive probably indicative of the fact they went slow and then it was a sprint. So when you get situations like that, they can look a little bit laboured. I think he will be better in a more stronger run race, which I'm sure this race will be because we've got Lion of War in there. And so far, Lion of War has made the running. He's set a good tempo. He's burnt off his rivals and he's won in two very fast times, last time out by 10 lengths. So the one with the form on the board with the numbers is Lion of War. The one with the most potential coming through that could be better further down the line it was victory dance as i look at those two now i'd always prefer to go with the one who's done it and posted it so i know exactly where i'm at rather than guess whether the other one can do it and given that line of war is the better price of the two as well i'd be going with um mark and charlie johnson's two-year-old on this occasion line of war five to two best price that's with william hill as short as 15 to two elsewhere so hill's really sticking their neck out there and taking on line of war but andy thinks line of war is the one to be with uh, on now to the bunbury cup over seven furlongs uh 20 runners here in this big field handicap and montasib is the five to one favorite head of samburu at six to one jumbi 15 to two vafortino 11 to one state of uh, sorry star of orion uh, and Ross Colin both 12 to 1, Il Bandito 14, Silent Film 18, Accidental to the Agent 18, 20 to 1 bar those. Uh, Andy, where do you think the value is? Um, well, I do think the value is with uh, Ropey Guest um, at 20 to 1, based on his run in, in the Buckingham Palace. The Buckingham Palace is the um, nearest thing, as damn it, you're going to find to the Bunbury Cup uh, all season long, i.e., a double figure field where they're stretched across the track, where they go a real flat out gallop, almost guaranteed to be a fast time. And, you know, if you look at f- pure formula reliability, if you believe in it, then that race should work out similarly to, to what we saw at Ascot. And I thought Ropey Guess was a worthy second, as he, is often the case with him. He travelled really well in it. He got himself into the front just over the furlong out and you know, he's, he's just got outrun by a stronger finisher in, in the latter stages, but he has beaten most of today's field, or some of today's field that are shorter than him in the betting, which I think is a little bit disrespectful. And I know you can fancy horses that were a little bit unlucky in the run, like Star of Orion, and obviously people will be looking at the jersey form with Samboro, et cetera, et cetera. But you can't beat good old-fashioned handicap form, um, yeah, you know, in in, the, in these big field races. And a ropey guest has got a pile of those under his belt. He also runs his track particularly well. 
Uh, I've noticed he's got placed here a few times. And even though he only finished eighth of the 18 runners in this race last year, he actually beat his side. As it turned out, the high draw uh, last year didn't work out. I think he was drawn on the far side and um, it, it came down, they came down the middle towards the near side and that didn't really help him. Now, obviously, we've got two days' worth of evidence. Uh, we don't really know whether we stall 17 will work out favourably this year. But at least you get the chance of two days to look at it, to weigh it all up. Uh, and if his draw isn't too bad on the far side, then, um, you know, you can you can play him accordingly 20s. On form, he shouldn't be 20s. Um, and that's the, that's the way I'll be approaching this race coming weekend. Yeah, Ropey guessed 20 to 1 with Paddy's and Betfair Sportsbook, who are both five places as it stands. But this is early. So I reckon by Saturday, you're going to be getting a few more places, maybe six, maybe even seven places with a few firms. So shop around on the Odds Checker app. Uh, this is going to be in a, a very, very quick show because the final race on the card, uh, we don't have any prices. Uh, I will ask Andy if there's anyone to look out for, but that means that the the last race we're going to be covering uh, in depth is uh, one of the one of the races of the week. You have to say the 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 Dali July Cup over uh, six furlongs. Perfect power is this nine to four favourite ahead of Artorias at seven to two. Creative Force uh, is six to one. Naval Crown thirteen to two. So Naval Crown, despite getting the better of creative force at Royal Ascot, still being priced up at a bigger price. Uh, Flaming Rib, 10 to 1. Cadamosto, 20 to 1. Romantic Proposal, 20 to 1. Alcohol Free, 20 to 1. Uh, 28 to 1. Bar, 14 runners. Andy, for the last race, we're going to cover here in detail, but no shortage of quality in this one. Yeah, an absolute humdinger, isn't it? And a good mm. battle of the ages as well. We've got the, the uh, two big six furlong group ones represented here, uh, the Commonwealth Cup and, and, of course, the Platinum Jubilee. Um, I personally think that the Platinum Jubilee was a much tougher race than the Commonwealth Cup. That's not taking anything away from Perfect Power because he beat his own age group in pretty convincing fashion. But if you look at their respective time figures of what Perfect Power achieved in comparison to the older horse race, there's a good bit between them. Not a massive amount, but enough to think, well, Perfect Power is a bit too short at 9-4, to even though I respect him. Um, And if you go back and look at the Platinum Jubilee, I mean, what a humdring of a race that was. I mean, I think pretty much every six furlong horse worth his salt was in that race. I don't think anything was missing as far as I could see. They were in a real strong pace. The time figure was exceptionally good. Uh, and I actually took the view that Naval Crown did really well to win it because he was drawn towards the near side. And to my recollection, he was one of the only few horses of the entire week that managed to win up the standside rail. Mm. And if you have a look at how far ahead he beat those horses that were in and around him, it suggested to me that he ran way beyond um, his actual victory suggested, whereas all the others like your, your, your Artoriuses and your creative forces and your high-field princesses of this world were all drawn where the best horses were, where the pace was. Uh, they were all drawn around by the Aussie horse. I can't remember his name, his yeah. favourite. Um, so they got dragged into the heat of the battle, whereas Naval Crown had to row his own boat. He had to do all the donkey work himself. Um, so for that matter, I think the price is all wrong here. I mean, how can a horse that's beaten the other two be the bigger price mm. and, he beat, and he beat them on merit, not being drawn on the wrong part of the track? I actually upgraded his run rather than downgraded it. Yeah. And, and yet, it's bizarre, isn't it, how bookmakers can price up a horse who who won, like a, who was the beat best the horse. Yeah. Yeah, he was the. I think it's only because he went into the race at 13, 33 to one shot that people think, oh, he's not going to be able to do that again. But if you then go back and look at his Alquaz run, where there was excuses for him that day, and he ran really well, um, despite being drawn two of twenty, I think you could you could say that that win was no fluke. So 
I, I, I've taken that view as well. So at the prices, yeah, I, mean, I think Naval Crowns is seriously underestimated here. Naval Crown is six to one. It was interesting. James Doyle said after the race as well. You know, he just said that the drop back and trip. He'd been running over seven furlongs a mile mm. for for most of his career, but the drop back and trip was seemingly, um, you know, what was um, the cause well, behind the improved form. Yeah. So yeah, exactly six to one there. Um, best price for um, Naval Crown. Um, yeah, th- sorry, thirty to two best price with Hills and Coral uh, currently um, to to maintain that superiority uh, amongst others in the field. And as I say, that the last race on the card, the five o'clock, um, a six-runner race here, Andy. Uh, we've got Uda Berry, Adjuvant, Bizarre Law, King's Prince, Commonsensical and Glenn Savage all lining up. Any of these worth keeping an eye on? Yeah, very much so, George. There's a lovely horse running in this called Bizarre Law. Uh, Andrew Balding trains him. He beat uh, Nathaniel Green um, on his seasonal, not his seasonal reappearance, on his second run so far this season. But he was up to in trip to mile and a half. He had fast ground. He raced a little bit lazily that day, but I kind of like horses that do that. I don't like horses sometimes that come down the bridle and find nothing. I'd rather mm. have horses that once they get into top gear and once they, you know, hit maximum capacity, they keep running for you. And this is what this boy did. Clocked a very fast time, even though there was only five runners. Uh, the former like said has already been franked by the second winning uh, last week at Haydock. And I think a mark of 85 underestimates him going forward. I put him down as a horse that Andrew Baldwin will uh, campaign uh, for the Melrose, I think he won it last year, didn't mm. he? Um, I, can't, what, I can't remember the name of the horse that won it. One of George Strawbridge's that won it. Um, uh, won, the, won the Melrose uh, for, for Roger Ball. Yeah, yeah if, you could, if you could dig that out for me, that might stop me sort of floundering. Um, <laughs> but he, he's that kind of horse. I think mile six at York is, is just the kind of animal that this will end, horse will end up being. And then I see him... Valley Forge. Valley Forge, that's the one, yeah, for the George Strawbridge um, uh, um, team. Um, and then I think I think he'll go to Newmarket and running that uh, valuable mile and a half handicap that uh, runs off the season in I think it's September, uh, worth a few quid. I think Sascani won it last year, um, and Candleford I think was third in. So that's the kind of races I see this horse running in. He wants a real strong gallop, a proper test over either mile and a half or mile six, uh, and he's already got the numbers to back it up. So he'd, he'd be my strong pick in the last race, even though we haven't got any prices. Keep an eye out there for Bizarre Law in the final race of the July meeting at Newmarket, the one for Andy. But as we say, no prices as it stands. Uh, thank you to Andy for his um, thoughts over all no three shows. Uh, we'll look forward to chatting again next week. Uh, do subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube channel uh, where you can find all of these preview shows. You can find Racing Weekly there with Rishi Passad and Sam Turner. You can find uh, plenty of feature content there. We went and spent the day with Harry Eustace at Newmarket last week as well. So do check out the Odds Checker YouTube channel and subscribe there. And you can also find these podcasts on any podcast platform as well. Please do download the Odds Checker app uh, for the best prices. Bookie offers free bets, uh, each way terms, and the best tipsters uh, in the game, uh, including Andy himself. His tips straight to the Odds Checker app every single day of racing uh, fingers crossed for a cracking week's racing at Newmarket. it all gets started in just under an hour so we're going to go and get the kettle on and settle down in front of it uh, i hope you do too and uh, as is always the case with all of your gambling whether you're following our tips or not please ensure that you are always gambling responsibly uh, thanks a lot and see you soon